Welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. It is show number 124, and my name is Andrew Murata, host of the program. Happy to be back with you. Happy to be on here on the program. The sun finally came out here in Northeast Pennsylvania. It's been snowing the past few days, uh, and I know there's no snow in Williamsburg, Virginia. We are going to meet our guest here uh, in a moment. Uh, head, former head coach of William and Mary uh, men's hoops program, Tony Schaefer. Uh, Tony is a lifelong coach. Uh, he's a lifelong uh, educator. His family is in education. His wife is an educator. His dad was an educator. And uh, we are going to meet Tony here in a moment. Uh, and I'm so grateful to uh, have him come on uh, to talk leadership, to talk life and, uh, you know, his journey, uh, coaching and, and uh, molding young people. So welcome to the program, a uh, proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Uh, we're live on Facebook. And again, check out the podcast on the Education Podcast Network. Also, Voice Ed Radio Canada is a friend of our program, uh, as well as iTunes. So wherever you are listening, thank you. Uh, and if you are watching live, uh, we appreciate that. I know a lot of family and friends are doing so. A shout out to Stephen Broadwell, a former coach uh, who I know is watching. Uh, if you have a question or a comment for Coach Schaefer, please put that on there. Uh, he's a great man, and, and I'm really looking forward to talking to him. So uh, getting to meet Tony here in a few moments. Tony's been uh, three places coaching his whole life. He spent some time coaching 10 years in high school, uh, but then coached at Hampton Sydney for 17 years, and then coached at William & Mary for 16 years. And like thinking about our roles as educators and, and how long we spend it at, at one place, like that's a long time, right? That's almost a career. And I was thinking about Coach Schaefer and, and how are you successful in one place for that long? Uh, I'm the proud principal of Port Jervis High School up in Orange County, New York. And, and I've been there 15 years. Seven is AP, eight is principal. And that's a long time, right? And how do you be successful while having longevity, right? And I was reflecting on that and thinking about coach, right? Just some things that popped into my head, some characteristics that I think you need to be at a place a long time, right? You certainly have to have honesty and integrity uh, with your work, right? Your reputation uh, is so important. The relationships that you build, not only with players, not only with your staff, but the community, the coach, right? People have to get to know you. You really have to build those relationships. I think it's important to do what you mean and mean what you say, uh, or say what you mean and mean what you say, right? It goes along with honesty and integrity. Uh, I'm, I'm an Italian New Yorker. I got, you know, I get hot sometimes, right? It's important not to get too high and it's important not to get too low, right? Things are never as good as they seem, nor as bad as they seem. They're kind of right in the middle, right? So, while I think it's important to stretch your emotions and, and live by your emotions, I think it's important that, that they keep in, in check. I also think it's important to have a great community around you. Again, I, one of the questions I want to ask Coach Schaefer is about the players that he's had at William & Mary in Hampton, Sydney. Uh, quick story, right? When I played at Guilford College many years ago, Coach Schaefer was the coach at Hampton, Sydney. So not only did I play against him as a player, I used to officiate his games at William and Mary, and I got to know him. And uh, uh, but he's ha he's had so many great players play for him, and right, and to have that community around him that knows him, 
I think is also important. So I'm really excited to meet uh, Tony on this interview and, and learn about what are some things that he did to be successful uh, in that place for such a long time. So let's bring Tony into education, leadership and beyond. And he's coming on here now. And there he is uh, live from Williamsburg, Virginia. Uh, Coach Schaefer, it's great to have you on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Thank you, Andrew. Glad to be here. Good to see you on without a striped jersey on. Yeah, yeah. And although we're away from each other, we're on the same sideline right now. So I appreciate that. <laughs> you bet. Tony, you heard the opening concept about the longevity. 17 years coaching in Hampton, Sydney. 16 uh, at William & Mary. And then even before all of that, high school. You know, what do you think about that longevity? What do you think are some characteristics that you need uh, to be successful in a place for a long time? Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Andrew, and a good question. Um, I think I'm, I've been in coaching for maybe reasons different than others, not necessarily better, but different. I've always looked for a place that I could really feel good about, uh, you know, the people I work with on a day-to-day -day basis, a place my family could be happy and comfortable and uh I like the longevity. I like feeling like I could get my roots in the ground in the community and, and maybe influence people outside of just basketball. Uh, so I've enjoyed that. Um, when I was a high school coach for 10 years, it was very difficult to leave that Episcopal High School. It was very difficult to leave Hampton Sydney College to come to William & Mary, although most people said, why would you hesitate on an opportunity like that? So uh, community has been important to me in my life. And then I think the longevity of it is just, you know, being honest in what you do on a day to day basis and, and giving an honest effort every day, too, you know, uh, because what you do Monday is going to impact Friday and what you do in January is going to impact December. So, uh, you know, I've, I've been lucky to have a great career and a fun and fun places to work and live. And, you know, certainly successful in all of those places, including being in the Hall of Fame. Uh, at Hampton, Sydney. I did a lot of, you know, reading the articles. You know, what did that mean to you, Tony, to be inducted into the Hall of Fame there uh, for Hampton, Sydney College? Well, it was great. I mean, very humbling, uh, you know, opportunity for me. And, uh, you know, one that I think our whole family appreciated and enjoyed. Uh, it's a place where I raised my kids. I have three sons and, and they all grew up at Hampton, Sydney in, a, in rural uh, Virginia, a place we loved. And, and, uh, you know, I think they all feel a part of Hampton, Sydney today. So to be inducted in the Hall of Fame was really a neat thing for me and a lot of fun, too, to go back and and uh, see so many people that, that I really liked and admired. Yeah. And, you know, I, I mentioned in the before the show about I got a you know chance to play at Guilford and we played against you. And God, your teams were always so good and played so hard. And then certainly officiating your games at William and Mary. Uh, your teams played with such energy, such speed. Um, you know, it was always such an honor. Tony, you and I had something similar here this past year. This is the first year we've been away from the game, uh, the college game. I stepped away from officiating, and your time ended at coach, coaching at William & Mary. You know, what was it like this year for you not coaching for the first time in, you know, 40-plus years? Yeah, it was the first time in 43 years I hadn't had a whistle in my mouth and been on a, on a basketball court, and uh, I've certainly missed it. I mean, I really have. Uh, it's been a you know, real adjustment personally and an adjustment for our family. Uh, I've, I've missed the players. You know, I've missed the coaches. Uh, I've missed the competition, you know, uh, and maybe really, really missed those feelings after a win uh, with a group of people. But, 
but at the same time, it's been a it's been a wonderful year, a year and a half for my family too. I've I've had a chance to do some things that I've never done in my life. Uh, you know, my wife and I uh, took a trip uh, back in the fall. Uh, we spent two weeks, uh, and we never got to travel in the fall as a basketball coach. But we went to uh, to Maine and uh, Nantucket for a week each, and just had a wonderful time. And you know, we we've uh, had a chance to visit with our three sons and grandkids a little bit more. And, um, you know, my mom was, we had to put her in an assisted living this year. So I've had a chance to spend more time with her. So I really miss coaching uh, and, and miss the people. But at the same time, you know, uh, you know, you, you drive on and you find, find ways to, uh, to spend your time. And, and it's given me a chance to do some things I've never had an opportunity to do. Yeah. And certainly now, this time of separation, it's such a different, different time. So a lot of changes uh, coming your way. You know, uh, I, I know we're not going to talk too much about William and Mary. You know, um, not being there. You know, like was it upsetting to you? Did it bother you? You know, or or like what did it feel to you to to have that separation or that ending there? Yeah, sure. It was difficult. I mean, absolutely. And, and, and surprised me as well. But uh, you know what? I've spent 43 years as a coach telling uh, telling my teams that, uh, you know, a big part of being successful in athletics is dealing with adversity. You know, it's not going to be smooth all the time. We're going to have officials make calls that we don't like and things won't always go properly. But uh, so, it, it, you know, it's sort of time for me to live that a little bit. So, uh uh, adverse moment for our family, but uh, it was time to drive on too. You know, you just you got to move forward and 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 find uh, new passions and things that uh, inspire your life. Yeah, it was you know listening to you say what you you kind of did during the season in the fall, like to be home on a, on a Saturday in in January and and like yeah. wake up on Saturday and have a cup of coffee and be home. It was so odd for me. Uh, yeah. Very similar. Um, but coach, it's a real honor, really, to talk to you now. And um, again, from what I knew you of integrity and honesty and just a class act. But the more I researched getting ready for the program, you know, here's a quote from just one of your players. You've had so many great players. Uh, and this guy, I think, was a, was a walk on here, Chris Stratton. Uh, and it was a great quote. You know, he said, I had great professors at William and Mary. Well, no one taught me a fraction of what I've learned from Coach Schaefer. He taught me how to lead. He taught me the details matter and doing things the right way always will pay off. He taught me to take joy in the process of hard work and taught me that I was capable of more than I realized. He taught me the importance of teamwork and he taught me the importance of mental toughness. He turned me what I am today. There's a lot of leadership points in there, coach, but what stands out to you? What are some of the meaningful points in that quote for you? Well, you know, it, it all means a lot. I mean, it really does to, to think you've influenced guys in the long run a little bit. And I think that's why you coach. I think the older you get, that's really the reason you do coach and continue to, to stay with it. It's uh, the wins and losses are, are defining, but at the same time, you hope you can in, influence guys for the, for the rest of their life. So um, it's nice to hear that Chris uh, felt good about things we did as, as a group. And, you know, leadership is a, you know, it, it's a, it's a hard thing to define. I mean, I've been asked at, at clinics and things to speak about that before, and it's it's um, it's not an easily definable quality, you know, to what makes a great leader. It's not something you can put a finger on 
and say, this is the key to being a successful leader. But, but I've also felt that, you know, when you, when you walk in a room, you can feel leadership, you can see leadership. And uh, I think if you walk into a gym and a, a great coach is with his team, you'll feel that you'll feel the, the, uh, the sense that you get when you walk in there. If you, uh, uh, a teacher, you know, a principal, you know, when, when you walk in their room, you can feel the leadership that they inspire among their students. I think the same thing's true in a boardroom, you know, I mean, it's a hard thing to define, but it's really not a difficult thing to recognize, I think. Yeah. Well, and, and he, you know, he said a lot in there I'm researching about you, you know, yeah, there's the wins and losses and there's the basketball stuff, which obviously were important, but that's not what people spoke about. People spoke about integrity and loyalty, commitment, hard working, or all of these words and things that people said about you, you know, uh, and that's part of the leadership that you're talking about. Tony, another thing I admired, uh, again, talking about culture and things that you could feel. You knew or I knew when I was going to ref William and Mary that I was going to run because your team was so fast and they shot the three-pointer. You know, did would you say that your team took on your personality? Where did that 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 culture of wanting to play fast and speed it up and take more shots? Not that they were out of control, but they just yeah. it was high energy. Would you say that's a lot of your personality? Where did that come from? Yeah, I think it is, Andrew. I mean. Yeah, it comes from a lot of things probably, but, uh, you know, the style we played when I was at North Carolina under Dean Smith, we really dramatically changed our style here at William & Mary, but we still continued to play at a faster pace. But, uh, you know, I think if people that have known me for a long time and watched me as an athlete and watched me as a coach, I think that the one term I hear the most is the intensity, you know, and, and maybe the discipline that our teams play with. But I do think I'm a really intense person. Uh, and, uh, you know, you get a chance as a coach on a day-to-day -day basis to get your, your players to accept that quality and be a part of the same thing. So that was important. I always wanted, you walked into a gym to see our teams play. I always hoped you would see that intensity, uh, that togetherness, uh, that, that we tried so hard on a day-to-day -day basis to put together. Well, and you mentioned the word intensity and I have that here because you were very composed on the sideline as a coach. You were very under control. But I knew if Tony Schaefer said something to me that he, you know, he he was on it because you were very intense uh, without, without being out of control. And I appreciated that as an official. Tell me about keeping yourself calm but dialed in. Tell me about that. Well, it's probably the hardest thing I had to do as a coach because I had that in, intense feeling burning inside me. But – you know, I think each team's different, but you, you have to give a, a poised impression to your team and to the com community at times as well. So that was a difficult thing for me to do. And uh, there were moments when I, I went beyond the limit that I wanted to. And uh, not uh, I, I, wanted my, yeah, I wanted my teams to play with that intensity. And, and uh, you know, I think the, the longer I coached, the more difficult that became for me. You know, you have a, an expectation you want for your team to meet every day. And uh, I think when they don't meet it, you know, uh, that intensity comes out sometimes. Yeah. And some of your colleagues down the other sideline maybe didn't compose themselves as well. Uh, <laughs> you know, but I always admired that about you. And again, okay. if you are watching live, I know there's a number of, of uh, former players and friends watching live. Please leave us a question or comment. 
Uh, Huddy says hi, pops uh, from from Lindsey Schaefer. <laughs> um, That's my man there. <laughs> and and you mentioned Dean Smith, right? And real quick, but it's like Tony Schaefer uh, played at Carolina. He played for Dean Smith. Um, you know, and there's a ton there. You know, talk to me a little bit, Tony, about the influence that Coach Smith had on your life, and did you realize that you wanted to go into coaching because of your time with Coach Smith? Yeah, I mean, his influence on me as a coach is uh, is endless, really. And and I I did think through my college career that I really wanted to continue uh, in athletics, and I wasn't good enough to play professionally at any level. So I, I did want to get into coaching. And I think the two things that probably the two greatest influences I got from Coach Smith and, and tried to instill in my teams were the, the value of fundamentals. You know, he talked all the time about he would rather have an improved player at the end of the year than a new play. So we've worked fundamentals every day. And I think at every team I've ever coached, we, we you know, a big part of our practices were teaching fundamentals of the game. But I think the second thing was just – how important it was to play together, you know, that uh, you're never going to meet your, your, your limits. You're never going to be as good as you could possibly be unless you're playing together and, and stop worrying about individual goals. So um, th those are two of the biggest things. And, you know, and probably a third thing, Andrew, that has uh, in influenced me today is that he was such a stickler for time and being on time. You know, if he said practice was at three, you better be on the court at 2.45. And if that bus was supposed to leave at 4, you better be on that bus at 3.45. And uh, I'll never forget his quote about that or his comment to us as players. You know, if, if you're late to a meeting or you're late to a practice or you're late to a date, then you're simply telling the other person that your time's more valuable than theirs. And I'll never forget that, you know. And, and so, uh, you know, being on time has always been a big part of my life. In fact, I'll tell you a quick funny story. My oldest son, Chris, was 10 years old and wanted to go to North Carolina's basketball camp. And at that point, I was working as a counselor. I graduated and uh, I told Chris, I said, Chris, you're going to have a great time. But let me just tell you, if they tell you to be on time, you know, they tell you four o'clock, make sure you're there early. So <laughs> the, the very first day of camp, they're calling the rollout to see who's you know getting on the bus and they say, they say, guys, coach, there's one guy missing. And I, my heart sunk. I knew it was Chris Shaver. <laughs> and sure enough, his floppy blonde hair comes running through the parking lot. And it was 15 minutes before the bus was supposed to leave. And so that night I had a conversation. I said, Chris, I told you to be on time. He said, Dad, I was 15 minutes early. And I said, well, tomorrow I'll be 30 minutes early. You know, so it was a funny moment for, for both of us. <laughs> I love it. But that stayed with me a long time. That's a great story. You know, I've heard that about Tom, Tom Coughlin time uh, as well. That's that's a great story, Coach. Um, yeah. Did it was it special for you when you took your teams back to Carolina to play? You know, I knew I, I had a chance to ref some of those games. Was it was it yeah. special for you to go back there? It was. Uh, it, you also knew you were going to play a great team, so it was a little bit formidable in that, and uh, a little bit intimidating in that. But it was special, probably the. The one night that was really, really special when I look back at my career, but we were in the NIT one year and uh, we're, we're playing at North Carolina in the first round. And, uh, you know, North Carolina didn't nor normally expect to be in the NIT. So they were doing some work on the Smith Center. Mm. So our game was played in Carmichael Auditorium, the old gymnasium, which is where I play. Yeah. You know, 24,000 seats is, is 10 or 11,000. So, 
uh, that was pretty cool. And um, I do remember before the game that Roy walked out, Roy Williams walked out and we shook hands and he said, this must be pretty exciting for you to be here. I said, you know, it is. And I said, the more I think about it, I'm going to be doing exactly the same thing I did when I played here. And that's sitting on the bench clapping for other people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was a great thing. We took them to the wire, too. I mean, went right down the wire in that ball game. And uh, uh, so, yeah, I look back on those days uh, in, in a very favorable way. Yeah. Awesome, Coach. Uh, and you talk about uh, Coach Smith, you know, and another big influence on your life. We talked a little off air. You know, your dad, and I didn't know this, that your dad was a, a lifelong educator and a principal as well. Um, what were some lessons from your father that you took from, from his teachings to your players in, in your classroom, you know, in that gym? Well, it's a great question. And, and uh, try not to get emotional talking about it, but, but uh, I think just the value of doing things right on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, you know, I think one of my favorite statements as a coach is take care of the little things and the big things will take care of themselves. And I think I learned that from my parents at home. And it's something my dad talked about with me a lot of times. But, uh, you know, and it has a lot of connotations. I mean, it's real simple in basketball. You take care of the fundamentals. You take care of your job. And the score will take care of itself down the road. But, uh, yeah, it had a great influence in my life. And, and uh, that's probably the, the number one thing that comes back to my mind. Well, and you, you know, hearing you say that, here's Chris Stratton telling you, that details matter, right? <laughs> details matter. So there it is. They do. They do. That's beautiful. They do. And I, I think it's, uh, you know, when you talk about leadership and, I mean, I think, you know, what makes a great leader, it, it's just doing it every day. I mean, you can't have a great practice one day and a bad one the next two and expect to be good. And uh, so I think we really held our players to toe on a day-to-day -day basis and expected details to be taken care of, expected their effort to be great every day. And uh, I guess the old coaching cliche, you want, in some ways, you want uh, the game to be easier than practice, you know, so that everything flows smoothly for them. This is great, Coach. It's so nice to, to talk to you. And, you know, this is really great. 30-plus years in college, uh, Coach, and, again, you, you, you were away this year. Mm -hmm. You know what were what were some of the favorites, right? What were some of the the things? Did was it the time on the bus? Was it the was it the last four minutes of the game? What were some of the really you know your top three like highlights of doing it all? Yeah. Well, I think I think the the celebrations after a great win uh, were always things that will come back to your mind. Uh, but to me, I remember too the the day to day drudgery. You know, just getting through the tough things sometimes we knew would make us good in the, in the end. And, uh, you know, I remember certain games, I mean, at, you know, at Hampton, Sydney, uh, you know, our first year uh, to have a winning record, they hadn't had a winning record in a long time. That was a big day. That's a big thing, you know, and then we went on to play in the national championship uh, in division three there and uh, to in William and Mary to, to get to the CA tournament for the first time ever, you know, was a, uh, the championship game was they'd never been there before. So that was a great thing. So, you, you know, I, I thought the little accomplishments were really great things. And uh, everybody wants to be a champion. Everybody wants to win championships. But, uh, you know, doing uh, doing the best you can on a daily basis is, is really important. Yeah. And you took both those teams to such high levels. I was looking back at your record, right? You know, those first few years at, at, at William & Mary, Single-digit wins. They were, you know, not on the winning yeah. side, but you eventually turned that around. 
Was that first few years hard for you? I think it took four years to get to a winning record. Was that yes, it was, Andrew. I mean, I think, you know, you, you know I've been fortunate in high school, college, uh, and then as a coach to be with in winning programs. And so uh, I knew it would take some time at William & Mary, but, you know, losing's tough, man. And, and uh, it's uh, maybe what you're preaching is harder to get across to kids when you're not being successful. So they were difficult years. And I think that's what made you know, my last six, eight, 10 years at William & Mary uh, so meaningful is that we uh, became a great program and, uh, you know, competed at the top level, not not just in the CAA, but, you know, we had wins against, uh, you know, at Wake Forest, at Maryland, uh, you know, and I could go on with some of those things. But uh, so the change that took place in the program is something that, you know, I, I want our players and coaches all to feel really proud of. Yeah, and you had tremendous players. Some of those guys, I mean, I love the – I forgot the kid with the dreads was just a, a fantastic. He had that buzzer beater at Drexel. I remember I was yeah. on the game. <laughs> that was yeah. fantastic. Um, Coach, one of the things at William & Mary, right, they're one of the – I think it's four now that haven't gone to the NCAA tournament, and you were, you know, this close. Was that something that was a big thing hanging over your head that – the, William and Mary is one of the schools that haven't gone to the NCAA tournament. Was that something that was pressing for you guys or, you know, Hey, we want to get there. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think every year you start in college, you know, your goal is to make the NCAA tournament. So something you always want to do. And, uh, you know, we four times played in the championship game. So we're, we're really close, uh, really close. And, uh, but, uh, it's always a goal and, and, uh, something you look forward to the opportunity to, to try to do. And those Colonial games were so tight. The tournament games just, uh, yeah. you know, and, and I was never fortunate enough to ref some of those championship games. But, God, uh, you know, I think there were so many people that were hoping that you got over the hump. And like you said, mm -hmm. that varsity, it just didn't go your way because you certainly had the horses. You had great kids, um, you know. So uh, I hope William & Mary gets there one day, you know. And, and I know you're not there anymore, but I'm sure you, you feel mm -hmm. the same. Do you think you might coach again, Coach? Like, do you think or, or do you think you're going to tie a bow on it and go on to something else? That's a good question, Andrew, and I've thought a lot about last year, you know, and, and uh, uh, it's something I love to do. And uh, um, I think it would take the, the right situation for me to – I've had opportunities, but it would take the right situation for me to, to make that move again. Uh, yeah, I'm 66, and, and – uh, as I mentioned earlier, I had a chance to do some things with my wife I hadn't done ever. And uh, so uh, I think about it a lot. Not really sure what will happen down the road, especially with this crazy period we're all in right now with this pandemic. But uh, it would take the it take a really the right situation for me to do it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you look like I'm enjoying my grand. I'm enjoying my grandkids way too much right now. So <laughs> <laughs> how many do you have? I know I've seen you after some of the games and you're holding a bunch of kids. How many do you have? Well, I have three sons. Uh, and, and out of that group, we have three grandchildren. My oldest son, Chris, has a, a boy, Hudson, uh, Huddy. We talked you mentioned earlier that's uh, years old. And uh, my middle son, Austin, uh, who's in coaching. Uh, he has two, um, that Brady's five and, and my little Caroline uh, is three, almost three years old. So uh, I've enjoyed getting more time with him. Beautiful. 
My dad used to tell me, and my mom just popped on watching. My dad used to tell me, don't make me come down there and show you how to do it when he was talking to me about making grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Coach, another aspect of being at William & Mary was the extremely high academics. I'm a, I'm a high school principal, you know, trying to get all my kids to achieve. But you had to recruit a certain type of kid that was able to handle the handle the rigor of the academics at, at William and Mary. How did you go about finding that type of kid? And and tell me about your, you know, why you were recruiting that kid in terms of you looking at their grades and their report cards. Like, how did you balance basketball and grades? Well, it might, it might go back to my father being an educator himself, but I mean, the only three places I've ever been a teacher or a coach They've been really good academic schools. Episcopal High School in Alexandria is a great school. Hampton Sydney College Division III school, great school. And William Mary is a great school as well. So I've always wanted to be in an academic-oriented environment. And uh, you know, I think then when you sit down in a in a den recruiting a young man, you can say with full confidence to the to the person and the parents that you know he comes here and does his job, he's going to have a great future ahead of him. So you know, when you recruit. For schools like that, the recruiting pool is much smaller. A lot of kids you can't recruit. But I think the thing we did, our staffs did well over the years, was to, to find the right fit for the school at Hampton, Sydney, and William and Mary. You know, we found kids that could be successful on the court, but also in the classroom uh, as well. And that, that, that was really important in the recruiting process is to find the right fit. Well, I mean, here you are maybe watching at a, a, a tournament, right, a, a showcase tournament, recruiting, you know, all those places. You see a kid that's fantastic. I mean, how quick did you have to turn to find his report card? Like how that had immediately. to be right with basketball. Yeah, immediately. In fact, in most cases, we knew who we were looking for before we went to those events. You know, there were only a, a small core of guys that we could watch. So. But if we found somebody we didn't know anything about, the first thing, the first call we made when we got back was to the guidance counselor uh, to see what his grades were like. And again, if he couldn't do the work, we didn't recruit him. So. And coach, how did you, you know, how did you get the kid? I'm thinking of the kid. Is it Tarpley or Tapley or, you know, like how did you get that kid versus him going to a Harvard or going to, you know, even a Carolina? Because some of those kids yeah. you certainly could have played in the ACC. Yeah or the Atlantic 10, but how did that no, versus going to Harvard? Well, I mean, Terry Tarpey is the, is the guy you're talking about, Marcus Thornton you mentioned earlier, but, you know, part of our recruiting process, part of our belief was we wanted to find guys that we felt could play at a higher level. Now, you don't always get them, you know, but if we got one Marcus Thornton every two, three or four years, he could have an amazing impact on your program. So we uh, – if a coach told me over the phone that he's a great Hampton Sydney player or a great William & Mary player, I probably didn't recruit that kid because I wanted somebody that could play at a higher level. Mm. But the family valued everything that our schools had to offer. So we recruited at a high level. You did. It's the, you know, coaching is not a real difficult thing. I mean, good players make you a good coach. Uh, <laughs> no question about that. So Yeah. But they were great. I loved it. They were so well behaved on the court. But God, they played so hard in those games. I just, you know, it was, it was a pleasure to be on the court with your players. Uh, not only the style they played, but just the way they conducted themselves. And again, the details matter. So I know that was coached 
in those players. Uh, and I mentioned to you off air, I brought my family to Williamsburg a lot because it was a pleasurable experience. I knew it was going to be a fun game. Uh, and it wasn't always the case in every one of those colonial arenas, maybe to have referees' <laughs> kids uh, in. in the, yeah. yeah. So, Tony, this has been great. Um, before we get to rapid fire, was there anything else you wanted to share? Any messages that you wanted to get to your players uh, that you did want to say that I didn't ask you? No, this has been fun for me and good to see you again. And uh, especially when we're not in the middle of, of competition and I always admired you as an official. And, you know, I think being a great leader, communication is really important. And I, I think you were a good official. And one of the things you did better than most was communicate with coaches and players. I mean, I think it's got to be there. And uh, uh, so I think communication is a real key to leadership. Uh, well, I appreciate that. That whole thing with officiating and us going on the other side after the call and you look in, it was like ridiculous. Go over and talk to the guy. You can't Perfect. do it every time. Uh, but yeah, you were a pleasure to work for because you, you know, respected us and, and, and all of that. Um, so, well, hey, let's get to rapid fire, Tony. I got uh, some quick questions here. These are the, the, the fast answer that comes to your head. Uh, there's you know, the play you have to run when there's only five seconds left. All right. So the quick answer. All right. Okay. Last book you read. On Fire. Uh, John O'Leary. Great book. In fact, I read it twice in the last four or five months. People have recommended that book. He was a, a firefighter, right? There's... Actually, no. He was a young, young fellow that at age of nine was burned in his garage. Uh, gasoline explosion. 100% of his body and uh, how he handled life after that. So a really remarkable book. That's adversity right there. Yes. Yeah. Last movie you saw? Uh, Ford versus Fiero. Ferrari, excuse me. Ford yeah. versus Ferrari. Yeah. Good book. Good movie. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. The 24 hour race. It, it's, like, it's not like driving to Williamsburg, but uh, yeah. Very <laughs> Favorite place to travel? You know, after this fall, I, well, Holden Beach, North Carolina, number one. That's where my family's been going for 30-some years. But uh, after this fall, I'd have to say Maine and and uh, Nantucket were, were just – that was a special time for my wife and I. Yeah, yeah. Not not in January February, but uh, that time. No. Nah, great place to visit. I'm not sure I'd want to live there, but uh, the fall was beautiful up there. How about the, a favorite place to travel in the Colonial when you were coaching? Uh, you know, I'd probably say uh, Wilmington, uh, you know, great fans down there, uh, but I love the beach. I mean, I love the beach and uh, being close to Holden Beach is where we go. It's only about 45 minutes from Wilmington. So that felt a little bit like home to me down there. Yeah. And there's been some Carolina connections there as well with Coach Peterson, yeah. and, uh, the gentleman that was formerly coached there. His name is escaping me. But yeah, certainly some Carolina connections. Sure have been. Yeah. You've talked a lot about the things that, uh, you know, the winning, uh, things like that. But what is something else that motivates Tony Schaefer? Um, you know, I think I've always been motivated by just wanting your family to be proud of you. You know, from your mom to your dad to your you know, today, it's your kids. And, uh, you know, wanting them to feel good about what you've done. And, and uh, family has always been important to me and probably the most Underlying thing that's, uh, you know, impacted my life, I think. I agree with that. That was a great answer. And looking at the job you've done at those past two colleges you've been at, you know, I, I can't see a way that they're not proud of you. 
Uh, that was a great answer. You mentioned uh, you appreciated my communication. What was something that got under your skin uh, from a college official? Guess who wouldn't communicate? Uh, who wouldn't talk to you? And uh, and I think I think coaches do the same thing. But I, I certainly thought there were officials who felt they were the game, you know. And I think as coaches and officials, it's important to remember that the game is for the players, and not for me to put on a show as a coach, and not for you as an official to put on the show. But and there's certainly some officials that uh, they wanted to be the in the main arena. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, best Dean Smith coaching line that you've heard him say. You know, I, I'd probably have to go back to, uh, you know, the, the thing about being on time. I mean, it drove us on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, uh, one other quick story about that, Phil Ford, you know, who was the best player in the country, as a matter of fact, he was the NCAA player of the year, but, we were playing Duke on a Saturday, and let's say the bus was leaving at four. And at three forty-five, all of us were on the bus, but Phil wasn't there. You know, and we were thinking, uh, I know this isn't a quick response to you, but uh, we we're thinking okay. certainly he won't leave. He won't leave Phil Ford behind. And, and at four o'clock, that bus pulled out, and uh, we were a little bit surprised. That uh, didn't matter. It was Tony Shaver, Phil Ford. Uh, that bus moved on. So. <laughs> and he didn't play in the Duke game. Right, right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Best thing about Williamsburg that you like? You know, Colonial Williamsburg. Love it down there. I love Colonial Williamsburg and, and probably the golf courses too. A lot of beautiful golf courses here. Really? Is and I'm finally getting the chance to play some of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the fall when it's not too hot. You spoke yeah. a lot about leadership. Uh, and again, the name of the show is Education, Leadership, and Beyond. The most important part of leadership is communication. Best purchase under a hundred dollars that has had a great impact on your life. Mm. Good question. Probably, probably my my putter. Uh, it's yellow fiberglass. Uh, <laughs> got it for practically nothing, and it's been in my bag for about thirty or forty years, and. Uh, Still love it. Still good to me. <laughs> Beautiful. Something that uh, something about Coach Schaefer that people do not know about. I'm uh, crazy about my grandkids, uh, and, and they probably think I'm a crazy grandfather too. <laughs> That's beautiful, Tony. I believe we all have a book in us. What would be the title of your book? Uh, stay with it. Finish the race. Uh, just persistence, I think. I like it. I like it. You get some time now to write that book. Get rolling with it. <laughs> what's a short-term goal, uh, Tony? I know you shared some stuff, the travel with your wife. But what's a short-term goal you'd like to, you know, three to five months? You know, I think probably in my situation today is to figure out where we're going to land. You know, do I get back into coaching? Uh, do I go ahead and retire? And, and uh, if so, where do we where do we end up, you know, calling home? That's a that's a big question. I'm sure uh, yes, uh, the your team, Mr. Schaefer, is going to uh, be weighing in on that. Just a little bit. <laughs> I want to thank her for allowing us to use the computer here. Um, <laughs> this probably goes into the long term as well, three to five years, because that factors in there. Um, and, Tony, I asked for a quote. You really gave a great one. And I don't know if you have a different one, but can you share the quote again about your dad, that the little things, say that again. 
Yeah, take take care of the little things and the big things will take care of themselves. I mean, that's true in every aspect of life. It really is. I love it. This was great, Tony. Uh, I'm hoping that your players get a chance to see it and uh, uh, really fantastic. I appreciate you coming on. Um, any last points that you wanted to share? No, no. Wish everybody the best during this crazy time and the pandemic and uh, wish you and your family the best as well. Tony Schaefer, everyone. Uh, I am at Andrew Murata 21. Uh, Tony, it's been an honor. Please stay on the line a second. Um, and I will put this out. I'll put Tony's Twitter on there uh, as well. I didn't I didn't see it when we started. So uh, uh, but this is Education, Leadership and Beyond. I am Andrew Murata. This is with show 124. Tony, thanks very much. Thanks, Andrew. All right. We're going to cue this music up. Let's see if I can play that and we will get going. All right, we're going to sign off here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Uh, Coach Tony Schaefer uh, from William & Mary and Hampton, Sydney. Hall of Famer, Hampton, Sydney. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. Enjoy it.